everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bees Knees Podcast. We're your hosts, Ben and Brittany, and if you haven't already, please download this episode. And make sure to check out the link in the description where you can find links to our Discord and socials. Happy listening. It's my birthday on Saturday. And I'll cry if I want to. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a lot of things approaching this birthday that I'm like becoming more aware of, like shifts in how you approach your birthday as you get older. And so I've seen a lot of people in their mid-20s, they still tend to like do that roundup thing. Like we were at an (laughs) Easter, a family Easter, and someone that was there mid-20s rounded up to the next year. And uh, everyone was like, oh, no, don't round up, don't round up, appreciate where you're at kind of thing. And I was thinking like sitting there silently like, yeah, I'm hanging on to that 28 for as long as I can. <laughs> like, I go to the gym and on the elliptical, it asks for your like age and your weight and stuff so it can monitor your heart rate, make sure that you're not like going to die if you're like 80 <laughs> or something. And um and I still put 28 in there. I am not rounding up. I will be 29 on Saturday and you're next gonna... week I will still put 28 in. <laughs> you are going to be 28 and 13 months, 28 <laughs> and 36 months. <laughs> Forever 28. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like I'm 30 and it's it's funny how many things that are just regular things that you do hit hit different. Mm-hmm. I get out of bed and I cannot move my head some days. Oh, because I slept wrong. I remember listening to my dad wake up and be like, oh, I really slept wrong last night. And I would make fun of him for being old. And now I'm that guy. Except for like, I also have that. And I'm still in my 20s. I'm still a youthful person. Yeah, unlike you're you. you're 24, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't, th- I don't know. That's not the thing. It's just like the mentality around your age like 30 everybody dreads turning 30 for some reason i've seen a lot of things like theorizing that there's been this pressure on us that by 30 you have to sit or like hit a certain amount of milestones Mm -hmm. and so that's why 30 is such a daunting age is because if you haven't established your career if you don't have a family if you're not married if you don't have a house if you're like all these things yeah by 30 then you've done something wrong in life which is completely not the case yet we still really dread the day we turn 30 like i'm only gonna be 29 and i'm still just like nope 28 i'm still 28 everything's fine i can't imagine what i'm gonna be like next year at this time it's gonna be bad (laughs) 30 flirty and thriving sure (laughs) we like talking about movies and tv After what has felt like months of waiting, we finally, finally have a Thor trailer or I, teaser. I feel like it it has been months of waiting. <laughs> like, I keep forgetting that this movie exists because it has taken them so long to give us anything on it. And I feel like they, they knocked it out of the park, to use a, a sport metaphor here. <laughs> um with this trailer, there's so much in it that has got me so hyped up. And at the same time, like, I don't feel like I know the story at all. Right. Like, I know who the villain is, so mm-hmm. I can kind of, like, put things together. But the trailer didn't spoil anything. There's, no. There was a huge trend for so long where trailers just, like, 
they it gave, gave you the ev- whole, yeah. whole story. And this, it didn't, it had like costumes that I want to see. It had characters I want to see. It had just, just enough. enough. Yeah, it had just enough to get you excited but also still have a lot for you to be surprised by when you actually watch it. Mm. Like you said, there was a really long time where trailers gave you too much. Like every single big action moment or big reveal we'd already seen in the trailer and then the movie just feels boring. (laughs) And I'm so thankful that Marvel has not done that. They've gotten to the point where, hell, half of what we saw probably isn't real. Yeah. And like... We are just so hyped about it that it wasn't until right then when I said it that I, it even clued into me that maybe some of that stuff's not real. Yeah. Like, it's always at, a possibility. The last Thor trailer, it had so many differences from like where the scenes are taking place mm-hmm. to Thor not having an eyeball. Yeah. There was so much stuff that we've watched a breakdown video on it. They didn't even say like this. They were... They were so sold that this takes place in this place, so this is what's happening. Right, yeah. But it's like... You never know. Have you forgotten who Marvel is? (laughs) (laughs) Who's running the show? Like, Kevin Feige, I feel like now just gets all of his joy from just fucking with us. (laughs) Like, how far can we push these people? Let's watch all their crazy theories and then just, like, completely shit all over it. And that's how he gets his joy in life. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, this trailer was awesome. Like you said, it had really great costumes. It had funny moments. It Mm -hmm. had some moments that were a little bit more serious. But everything was also really fast paced. So you didn't have enough time to overanalyze anything. Yeah. Which I kind of like because I am an overanalyzer. But like you said, also, I don't really know much about this story. So I can't. There's only so much I can do as far as overanalyzing. Yeah. And I so I'm really excited for the things that the trailer didn't show. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't touch on Gore at all. Yeah. And from like he's a he's a really menacing capable adversary. Right. Like he is called the God Butcher. Yeah. Not just the God Killer. The God <laughs> butcher. butcher. That's so much more brutal. <laughs> I know. And what do we see in this? A land full of gods. Yeah. I I can't help but think that they're going to be have Thor has gone off. He's like, what do I want to do with my life? I just want to relax. Mm-hmm. Surprise. All your friends are dead. Well, what else is new? Honestly, <laughs> like I'm actually really surprised with Thor and how he can be so optimistic, optimistic, <laughs> easygoing, just like obviously he's attention seeking. He wants to be the center of attention all the time. And like that's where him and Star Lord really butt heads. And I'm really happy that we get more of that in this. Yeah. Um, that was one of the funny moments in the trailer was seeing Star Lord kind of giving <laughs> him this thing and they're avoiding eye contact. I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, so he but he's still very like optimistic and upbeat about things considering he's lost everything his whole family is dead yeah a lot of the avengers are dead or dispersed or retired or like i hate to say it but even even when we see depressed thor it's still quite comical yeah which is not good but it's just because of like who he is it's kind of hard to take him seriously at times but then when he is really heartbroken like when we see him his face when he lost loki yeah pick any of the times that loki died (laughs) (laughs) 
like just yeah, how 26. that shakes him to his core and it it he is very good at being serious and being taken seriously by us as an audience when he's in mourning but how he deals with things in the moment sometimes is just comical yeah and he brushes over things kind of quickly or you know he gets drunk and is crying over jane and it's kind of funny which is it's gonna be great because like we said all his friends and family are dead Mm -hmm. who does he have left and who conveniently shows up Jane. jane yeah with his powers and his old broken hammer how shook do you think he is in that moment like it's one thing to like run into your ex but run into your ex after she is like deemed worthy of your powers yes and is like jacked and a hero and wielding your hammer that your sister crushed the last time you saw it yeah like i don't even know what i would do i'm really excited because i really like korg I yes. really like Valkyrie. I really like Valkyrie and and Thor's relationship because mm-hmm. unlike a lot of male and female pairs, yeah. I don't get any sense of sexual tension. Yeah, definitely. They're more not. just like buddies. Yeah, buddies. It's like the buddy cop sibling rivalry yeah. type thing. And like it it plays out really well. I feel like they're a great pair. Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. She gives just enough like apathetic like expertise mm-hmm. to make it believable. And I'm really excited for their little like Thor crew of like them and like Korg, Valkyrie, and then the two Thors. Yeah. It's going to be great. I think it's going to be really fun. I think it's going to be a fun movie. Like until all the gods start dying. Yeah. But <laughs> even just. Okay, I know we've already mentioned the costumes a couple times, but I really think that the costumes and what they've revealed to us with their vibrant colors and the gold and just how like bright and fun they are just set the tone for the movie. Mm-hmm. Aside from all the god murder, <laughs> it's going to be really fun, high energy. It's a wild ride. Goofy. Yeah. like, And I don't see how it can't be that like like you said korg all their relationship and all the quirkiness that they bring to it and how well they work (laughs) together and then you also have the chris pratt and the yeah however big of a role the guardians and the ravagers play exactly yeah and having all these different teams coming together and maybe going their different ways but still they're all just very high energy eccentric groups yeah, goofballs. So I just think it's going to be really a really, really fun movie, and I'm really excited for it because it's been really serious, I think. Yeah, there's been a whole lot of dark and gritty with the TV yeah, shows. Yeah, Like Hawkeye was pretty solemn. Mm-hmm. Moon Knight is grim. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be nice to have something a little more upbeat. Yeah, just some more flashy colors <laughs> instead of like black and white with a splash of red thrown on Yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> Before we break down our our two two black and white with a splash of red on them, uh, we do want to say that there isn't going to be an episode next week. Yeah, like through COVID, I've had a little bit of extra health issues going on. And because of COVID, everything's been delayed. But I'm finally getting those things addressed. And I'm having a little minor procedure on Thursday. So I'm not sure how I'm going to be feeling and I don't want to commit to anything 
if mm-hmm. I don't know what the recovery is going to be like. <laughs> so apologize for that. But hopefully this means that we're going to have a lot more fun in the future. I'm going to have a lot more energy and it's going to be really great moving forward. Fingers crossed. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so try not to miss us too much. I know we're great, but it's only one week. You <laughs> will survive. I don't know if I will. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. (laughs) We watched the season one finale of The Punisher this week, and it was it was a pretty fantastic episode. Yeah, it was. I really loved it from start to finish. I feel like it had really great themes throughout the episode. Mm -hmm. And so in the it starts off with kind of we see Frank getting saved by Madani's doctor father which i didn't know that he was a doctor maybe it was mentioned yeah like maybe it was mentioned and i just didn't know but uh, whatever he's getting (laughs) fixed up which is great and then it immediately switches to billy in his recovery because he got that one shot in the arm yeah and i just really loved this because throughout the whole season we're seeing frank repeatedly get beat up stabbed shot at pulling bullets out of himself cleaning himself up stitching himself up and he it's very it's a very grounded perspective on how someone would handle those situations like yes he is in pain you can see that he's in pain but he also really brushes it off like he He doesn't far too stoic to show his pain yes exactly and even in his fights like he's not trying to be triumphant in any way mm-hmm. he's just like i'm just getting this done it's like a job he set out to do it he's just getting it done and he's not looking for any heroics like yeah. he's not looking for cheers or fans or anything like he's just like i have a job i'm gonna do it i yeah, don't care he's not about showmanship he is about results exactly and then so seeing billy in one in one scene, <laughs> just the exact opposite. And when I first watched it, I was like, wow, why'd they pick up on this trope? You know, the trope of walking away of a big explosion. And yes, Billy was very efficient going through his, his like, what is his it? His compound, I don't know. I for Anvil, anvil. yes. Yeah. Um, so he's walking through his Anvil corporation and he's getting you know, ambushed, I guess. Like he's got... CIA or something coming to arrest him and he kind of catches on and takes them out and he does it very efficiently similar to Frank Castle only it's the ending that really gets me that I was like why did they pick up on this trope they haven't done this through the whole season and I think it's just to show like the main difference between Billy and Frank is that flashy showy yeah look at me kind of attitude Billy knows cool guys don't look at explosions. Yeah, he walks away from them as it goes off behind him. Like, he always wants to be portrayed in that way. And he really has built up this reputation for himself that he's a big macho man and he's a cool guy and and he just cares about money and women and sex and all this stuff. So he needs that show to build up his ego, right? Whereas Frank is just like, I don't care about all that shit. I'm just doing a job. Yeah. I also liked how in the start of this season, Frank was alone. He was cast out. He, he was like, he was on the run. So anytime he had this kind of thing happen, he really had to do it himself. Mm -hmm. 
And Billy was always surrounded by these rich upper guys. He had his whole crew. Anything needed to be done, he had all this. Yeah. But it turned around so much. Frank was being saved by a team of friends. Yeah. And Billy was ripping a bullet out of his arm all All alone. alone. Yeah. Like, no matter how much Billy tried to build this empire, in the end, he was all alone. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you're fake, right? Like everything you're doing is just to build your own ego and your own image. Fake bitches get stitches. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Like, whereas like if like Frank's hard to love sometimes, but he is himself. And it's like you just take it or leave it. And Billy is just like, I'm going to use you and abuse you and make you think that I'm doing you a favor. (laughs) (laughs) And then... He comes and he takes advantage of poor Curtis again. Again. I was like, leave (laughs) this poor man alone. He's been through enough. He got beaten by his own leg. Yeah. (laughs) He's had it rough enough. And like I've said before, he's just such a sweet soul. And he's just so pure in his intentions. Yeah. That to see him get hurt so repeatedly... It really infuriates me. And for nothing that he's done. He's no. just doing like his helpful thing. And, and, and then, then he just gets just abused the all the time. I don't like it. Poor guy. But luckily, Frank saved the day and all was well in the world. Yeah. And then Billy tries to say, my word means something too. It doesn't. Bitch, please. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get to like the next big thing which i say it would be the carousel fight absolutely and it was just when so a little bit of the like running around in the carousel like going around and around they're just kind of yelling at each other and they're trying to figure out where each one is and that kind of stuff that part for me was just like all right i get it like you're both (laughs) military you know how to like look for the person and it just got a little drawn out for me i was like how big is this damn carousel that it's you can't a huge see each other? Carousel, it's huge. Yeah, but there's only one center console, and then you can see around. Like, yeah, there's not that much blind spots. But then, and Frank also was having flashbacks at the same time, so he was kind of already thrown off his A game. Plus, he has not healed yet from getting tortured. Yeah, like this. Like, I kind of felt bad for him again because. He has all these wounds still. Like he was on his deathbed Ran how many days ago? With a handicap. Like yeah, and it was it was actually really kind of heartbreaking to see the fight in the beginning because Billy had the upper hand. Like he yeah. he managed to get Frank to get rid of all of his weapons by using the hostages. Again, like what a dirtbag! It's and, funny because Frank initially was just like, "Let's finish it." You and me, mm-hmm. just us. Yeah. But what does Billy do? He gets hostages. Of course he does, because he knows <laughs> that he's not shit. <laughs> he ain't shit. He anyway. ain't shit, and he should quit. <laughs> so yeah, I really was just like, oh, come on. This is so painful to watch as Frank, we know, is already in so much pain. And then he's going through all this emotional turmoil as well. Yeah. And he freaking calls Madonna there or like gives, like shares his location with her to get her to come just for her to get <laughs> put out in like two seconds. The fact that her whole character arc in this resulted in a 
half second interaction of just her getting immediately just taken out of the body. Yes. And I thought, like, what? <laughs> Was this really necessary? But it provided just enough time for Frank to tackle him. Yeah. And kind of, like, take things back. Take, well, I would say very briefly because in their actual physical fight, Billy had the, like, he was overpowering Frank in the beginning. Like, yeah. he was punching him a lot. But I really liked how, okay, so Billy was punching Frank a lot, right? Yes. And Frank was just, like, getting back up, taking more swings, whatever. Once Frank finally does get a good hit on Billy, there's He's no done. coming back. Yeah, well, it's funny because Frank has spent the whole season just getting the shit kicked out of him. Mm-hmm. And functioning through it. Yeah. Whereas Billy... I don't know if he ever really had that. So no. like Frank can function in pain. In pain. Mm -hmm. He there was a time Billy had this like knife, knife out of his yeah. wrist and he had it stabbed like through his collarbone. Yeah. And Frank through that picked up the shard and, and stabbed. stabbed him. Yeah. And it's just like if Billy had have stabbed Frank the same way you know, Frank would have just pulled it in further so he could get closer to stab him back. Probably. Like, Billy is half the man Frank yeah. is. And he would have never had the upper hand at all Yeah. if Frank was in perfect physical condition going into that fight. Yeah, well, that's why when they were in the bunker, he sent just his guys. He didn't go. Yeah. Because he knew he wouldn't make it. True. But that fight was so great. Like, there was that one scene. There was, like, one <laughs> moment in that fight where Frank finally has the upper hand on Billy and is like punching him. And then Billy kind of gets another swing in, starts to get up. And Frank just grabs him by the, he the head and just smashes his head against the cement. And I was just like, shit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then it all culminates. Frank scrapes his face against the glass. Mm -hmm. And that, like, that was one very hard to watch because oh. it's like. My stomach was in knots, yeah. But t it's also incredibly satisfying. I feel like I, I was not a big fan of the guy that plays Billy throughout. I mm -hmm. feel like he was just playing it too, just like sinister. Too, too much of like a weaselly kind of guy. Yeah, he didn't seem like a, a military man. He seemed like a schmooze, mm -hmm. you know. But the acting when. Frank is scraping his head across the glass and he is just screaming mm -hmm. like the scream is what got me because he could be just rubbing his head against a wall for all I know. But it's the scream that portrays how intense it is. Yeah. And uh, I kind of like that. Yeah, you were chuckling as it was happening. And I was just like, and what I'm sitting on. What is wrong with you? You're chuckling away. And I'm just like in a ball like, oh, my gosh, this, this hurts me to watch this. Like, and you're just laughing. And, and I'm like, what the fuck is so funny? Like, it's not. He takes his head and smacks it into the glass more. Yeah. And there's just glass sticking out of his face. And Ugh. then he begs to be dead. And how much. Like, I bet you Billy was just like, kill me, kill me. And it was purely just, it wasn't because of the pain. Like, most people, I feel like in that situation, the whole idea is that they're in so much pain, they're begging for death. Yeah. 
I feel like he just was so upset by how his face was ruined. Like, remember when he got shot in the cheek? That's when he got pissed, right? Yeah. Like, when Frank shot him in the face. And he was like, no, my face. Like, he didn't say that. But you know that's what he's thinking. And yeah. that's why he's so mad, is that his face is fucked up now. So, like, he would be seeing his own reflection and mortified. He's like, just fucking kill me. I don't want to be... I don't want to wear these scars on my face forever. And then Frank makes it worse and is just like, I'm not going to kill you. Every day you're going to look at your ugly ass face. Yeah. And you're going to think of me. You're going to think of me and what you did to my family. Yeah. And that was just like really impactful. Yeah. It, I think that was the, the second most impactful thing that happened in the episode. And the most would just immediately followed it. Mm. So like the episode is wrapping up. The season is wrapping up. The story has kind of come to a conclusion. Yeah. And Curtis walks into his support group room and Frank is setting out chairs. Yeah. And he's like, I think it's time. Like, are you sure about it? Yeah. Like you're safe. Mm -hmm. And Frank is going telling the story about how, how it was and how it is and what it's going to be like going forward. He's like, I... I, I don't have a war to fight anymore mm -hmm. and I'm scared. Yeah. And that's, that was what the whole season ended on was Frank saying that he's scared. Yeah. And it was really impactful because this is a man that we've seen be completely fearless. Like he doesn't fear death and he doesn't fear going into a fight knowing that he is severely outnumbered <laughs> and yet he still has come out on top. And now he was talking about how like once once the bullets go quiet, like once everything's done, you like the bullets have been shot, the guns are quiet. That's the part that I hate. It's not hearing gunfire. Yeah, it's, it's the, the silence. silence. And now that he doesn't have a war to fight, when this has been the only thing he's known for so long, he is he has admitted to David about how the biggest like regret is how much he loved being in the military and how much he loved being at war. And even so much that sometimes when he was with his family, he took them for granted wishing he was back at war. Yeah. And now he doesn't have a family and now he doesn't have war. He's got nothing. And that's now he just gets to sit in silence of what he took for granted. Mm. It sucks. <laughs> Does. It was a pretty, pretty uh, hurtful ending, I think. Like, it just, like, has you sitting there thinking, like, that's rough. Just leaving off on a, a broken man, unsure of where to go next. Yeah. Like, he was given a, like, start over. Like, he was given a yeah. do-over. New name. Like, all of his fingerprints wiped clean. Like, everything. He can start over. But, like, how do you come back from that? Yeah, where do you start? Exactly. <laughs> we'll just have to uh, start watching season two from where we initially started watching it, thinking it was season one. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll uh, we'll figure that out. <laughs> Except for season two, from what I saw, it wasn't as great of a story. It, I don't, yeah, it, it, it didn't start out as uh, like personal to Frank. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't as, as kind of interesting. Yeah. Or like enrapturing. Yeah. But what was, was Moon Knight. Because <laughs> we watched that, obviously. Yeah. And episode three was phenomenal. Episode three was everything I've been waiting for. 
And like, it's just going to get better. Yeah, I imagine so. I can't wait to find out more about the potential third identity because Ooh, yes. it's been hinted at a lot. And it was straight up confirmed. Was it? Well, they were in like the first scene is Mark dealing with these three guys trying to track down Harrow. Mm-hmm. And he does that awesome, like going to punch, but he sees he's a kid. So he smacks him in the face. Yeah. He does a Will Smith. And, <laughs> and uh, so they go through this whole fight, but then he blanks out and wakes up and he is stabbing a guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, Steven, what did you do? Yeah. He's like, it wasn't me. What did you do? This, I didn't do any of this. Yeah. See that straight up is, wasn't Steven. It wasn't Mark. Yeah. And I'm aware of that. And I know that, <laughs> but there's still the speculation that maybe it was Conchu. Yeah. I don't buy it. I'm Con- not. Conch- I mean, it could. Yeah. Like it could. Like, it's most likely not, but <laughs> I wouldn't say that that is enough to be like, yes, this is confirmation. We do also have the scene where he's just sitting there drunk, which is very uncharacteristic of both Mark and Steven. So I also don't think that Khonshu would just be like, yeah, I'm taking over this body just to have a drink. So <laughs> Sometimes Khonshu just needs to cut loose, okay? So, like, I think it's very likely that... There is another identity, but I'm not going to say it has been confirmed because there is still the possibility that Conchu is just like, I'm just here to get shit done, kill this guy so we can move on. All right. But what's more likely is that it's Jake Lockley and he's one twisted motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm really excited for it because Stephen Grant has been a different Stephen Grant than in the comics. Mm-hmm. So Jake Lockley is going to be a different Jake Lockley than in the comics. Yeah. And we've got a... A little softy who's just like having a good time, isn't he, bruv? Yeah. Then we have Mark Spector, who is tough, but somewhat honorable. But then it seems we just have like the most ruthless killer. Yeah. And he's, I think that one's going to be fun. There's still so much that we don't know about Mark yet, too, though. Like, there's that one scene. Before he turns into Moon Knight and has that really awesome fight scene, which we will get to. Oh, we'll get to it. <laughs> um, where Harrow is kind of taunting both of them and getting in their heads a bit. And he's mentioning about how Mark lies to Layla because if she knew the truth, then it would confirm what he already knows and that he's not worthy of love and all that stuff. And it's just like... <laughs> Deep cut. <laughs> and it's just like, what did he do? And there is that, like, in the comics, you had mentioned that you know, pretend maybe he murdered Layla's dad, who was the architect who found the scarab. Yeah. So it's like, did he in full consciousness kill Layla's father without knowing it? Like without knowing it was Layla's father. I think that was the third identity that did it. That's my fit. My head cannon. Well then why would Mark be the one lying? Okay. So, but here's the thing because Mark is the person and there's just these different identities. Yes. So I think that, when Mark was in the car and he was deflecting it and being like, no, he's just trying to get into our head. Right. I think he was genuine because I don't think he is aware that he did it because it was a different personality. Okay. That's an interesting that's, take. That's just my, my theory. See, I just wonder if he did do it under the, constru- under the instruction of Konshu and didn't know like who he was killing. He, that is possible. The only reason I'm more 
into the I more subscribe to my theory mm-hmm. is that Khonshu is about justice to people who have done bad things. Yeah. And I mean, like, sure, grave robbing a tomb is not great, but like most archaeologists do it to put it in a museum so people can learn. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't see Khonshu being like, kill him. Fuck that guy up. <laughs> <laughs> True. I don't know. I just I found it a little bit suspicious. He was acting a little squirmy and the whole like not being worthy of love and that being like a fear in him within him. Mm -hmm. And I just it makes me wonder if he knows what he's done. Trust me, there is a lot you don't know about Mark Spector. I I'm fully aware there's a lot I don't (laughs) know about Mark Spector. I just said that. That's how I segued into this conversation. (laughs) Yes. So about that fight, though amazing like sorry go ahead okay i just want to say being someone who hasn't read the comics Mm -hmm. i did not know that that shot where he's jumping off the roof and his cape goes into the moon was like directly from the comics and i was like shitting my pants watching you're like oh it's a moon moon." (laughs) (laughs) and you were just like yeah i was like yeah (laughs) you know how batman has a cape that looks like bat wings Moon Knight has a moon cape. <laughs> <laughs> but I really liked that. And I just, there's so many things in that, that whole scene that I was just like, this is what I came here for. Thank you. If you're liking the stills and all that, like mm-hmm. the taking from the comic, there's also that meme where Moon Knight's like, random bullshit, go. Yes, yeah. Like he does the closest thing to that by just throwing a ton of stuff out of his cape and killing a bunch of guys yeah i know i I rem- i've seen that as well on the yeah. internet um i want to start off talking about the fight with about layla's bit mm. because it's it's a little more reserved because she doesn't have moon knight powers yeah um but it was also really good because she's little yeah but she's scrappy yes and then turns out this necklace is these two like kind of like little scythe things but they were also kind of like moon shaped right it was yeah. like a moon and then she pulled it apart Right? Maybe Khonshu already has a claws in Well, there that's a theory him. as well, that he's kind of already been manipulating her mind a little bit so that she'll be more susceptible to his influence. Yeah. I just, I liked how, so her and Steven were kind of starting to get together and figure out the, the mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And then uh, stuff goes down and it's gone now. But then there's this bodyguard who comes as like, Sorry, I'm going to have to, like, kill you now. Yeah. And she's just not having any of it. Mm -hmm. She stabs him in the chest. Yeah. With these necklace knives. (laughs) And that was the coolest thing. Until. (laughs) Until Moon Knight had to go and upstage her. Moon Knight threw his random bullshit. Yeah. And my absolute favorite part. They're at this thing. This guy is learning how to joust. And the, the... character that is being played is midnight man who is an adversary of moon knight um but his lackeys and trainers just take their lances and stab him yes yeah and he's unfazed by it he has the healing armor of khonshu right and i was talking about punisher if punisher got stabbed he would pull it in closer so he could get closer and yeah. That's exactly what he did. He was impaled by a lance, mm-hmm. pulled it closer so that he could get the guy at the end of it. Mm-hmm. That was 
the fucking coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. That scene, that part of the fight was really great. And then, of course, we have the comedic relief of when <laughs> Steven takes over and is just like, let's all chill the F out. And then he just, and gets, then he just stabbed gets stabbed. And he's like, Kate, take the body. Take the body. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, was funny because he's way out of his element when it comes to fighting. Absolutely. Mr. Knight is not a good fighter. I love that he tries, though. <laughs> like, I want to see by the end Mr. Knight being able to beat something. Because <laughs> so far, all he's done is get the shit kicked out of him by the jackal. Yeah. And then get the shit kicked out of him by the guys on horses. Right. Yeah. He's going to win one of these days. Okay. By the end of it, he actually, he does something useful. Him and Khonshu, you know, do the whole turning of the night. Yeah whatever to see the past nights and the stars and the alignment whatever my favorite thing has been like the the memes about the perspectives of all the other like dr strange looking up in the sky and be like fuck i don't have time for this shit yeah (laughs) yeah but so he i think his brain is what we're getting the most use out of him right now like physically he's not great but thankfully he has all this useless egyptian knowledge that is coming in handy and i you can hardly call it useless not at in, this point. In, not in this situation, but how often does this situation happen? Well, to, if he was, the, if he got the tour jo- tour guide job, it would have been daily useful. This particular Egyptian knowledge, I really don't think that all of this knowledge would be coming up on his tour guides. I mean, that's what you think. <laughs> anyway, it's all about his own personal flair. So by the end of it, though. Conchu gets put into stone. Yeah, and that's something we didn't even talk about. The meeting of the uh, the Ennead. Yeah. <laughs> and how just shitty they are. Yeah, and they didn't really give a shit at all about what he had to say. You know, for what I've been led to believe gods are, being omnipresent, mm. these guys have the most lax view on all of their subjects. Yeah. Because, like... Harold used to be the avatar. You'd think they'd keep an eye on him. Like, mm-hmm. you left being that, but why? Yeah. Um, and I've seen a lot of people online be like, why did they rush that so much? They they took the case in and immediately brushed it off. Yeah. And what I've seen is that the two main gods of the Ennead are actually working with him. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, that. I think it's Osiris and Isis. There's always something like that where the whole system is corrupt and there's someone on the inside who's working with the bad guy. And like that is a common thing to happen. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Yeah. Then uh, I guess like the final thing that I have to say about this is after Khonshu gets kind of stonified into a little totem. Yeah. Um they don't have their powers anymore. That's what I was getting at before you so rudely interrupted. Oh, I'm so sorry. You go, you go <laughs> ahead then. You go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that. Like, they don't oh. have their powers anymore. Now what? We're halfway through the season, and we have a whole second half where maybe we get to learn more about their actual characters, but they don't have the power of Moon Knight. All right. So, Two theories, mm. and these are partially me making things up Yeah. and partially... Uh, thing I read in a comic. Um, the first one, which is me making it up, 
They don't have powers, but they do have a third personality that is a complete psychopath. Are you talking about Jake again? Yes. So maybe he gets them through this powerless bit. Possibly. I mean, the amount of skill that he has shown in his... Because I'm now led to believe that the first episode, when we see Steven going through all that chaos and it's just like, oh great, the idiots got the body again. And he kind of had those like phase out moments and then come back and everybody's dead. Yeah. I'm not convinced that was Mark. Well, yeah, because now. every time Mark's been in control, we've seen it. Yeah. So. so I'm thinking, and if he's fully capable of fighting off that many people, like clearly he's got to have some like Moon Knight level fighting skills. Yeah. And also the the bodies that he left on the ground, mm. there was one guy with like his whole head smashed. Yeah. So like it's vicious. Yes. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's one theory. Mm-hmm. This psychopath pers- personality is going to... Uh, help get through that time um or two um he's gonna wake up in a psych ward and none of it was real well i hope that's not the case Mm. don't say that don't just mm, me like that's some lost level crap that i'm not here for there is a bit in the comic and i don't know if i remember it clearly or if just be making shit up again. <laughs> um, but he is in a psych ward and none of this was real. Or at least that's what forces have been influencing his mind to think. Okay. So it could even be that him realizing he's in a psych ward and none of it was real was also not real and everything actually is real. Yeah. So. Okay. That's that's some theories there. I like the first one better where Psycho kind of takes over and anytime they're in a pickle, he's just going to kill everybody. But he doesn't need Moon Knight. You know, we've got that uh, psych ward option on the table now, too. So that's great. <laughs> one more thing that I really want to briefly discuss is in the desert when Mark accepts that he can't help Khonshu with the whole... I remember that night. I remember all nights scene. Um, And Steven takes over the body. We don't have that eye roll back to the head and then like a quick flash and then a different person is in control of the body. We have just him staring blankly for a minute where there's, it seems to be like nobody in control of the body very briefly, like a quick second. And then Steven is in the body. And I just want to say that Oscar Isaac is amazing because... (laughs) That moment when there's that personality switch, it is incredible that you can see it just in the way he is moving, just the tiniest little movements in his face, that it's a different person in control of the body. It's funny because there was a photo taken of Willem Dafoe on set with them, Mm -hmm. with Oscar Isaac and, uh, what the fuck is his name? The guy that plays uh, Harrow. Mm. Ethan Hawke, that's it. Um... And everyone was just like, why is he there? Like, is Green Goblin in it? And it's pretty much come to the consensus that Oscar Isaac was just being like, so how do you portray different characters with your face? Right. Because Willem Dafoe did it really well. Yeah. Interesting. Oscar Isaac did it really well. Yeah. I remember, like, we were sitting on the couch watching this, and it was just, we noticed that, and we were just kind of just flabbergasted. Like, holy shit, that was amazing. Like, how did he do that? How was that so just seamless and effortless and just like so natural? 
It's crazy. Daddy Oski can do all things. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to, you know, mention that and just have a little fangirl moment. We all had a little fangirl moment. (laughs) But how do you guys think that Mark, Steven, maybe Jake are going to get by without Conchu? Is it a psychopath or is it all not real and it is all in his mind? Let us know in the Discord. You know where to find the link. As well as check out our Instagram. You also know where to find the link. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for joining us this week at the Bees Knees Podcast. If you haven't already, please kindly download this episode, maybe even recommend us to a friend, and we won't see you next week. Remember that. (laughs) We'll see you the next week. Take care. (laughs) 